listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. So glad you guys are here for uh, week two of Glorious Design as we continue to take a uh, gospel-centered biblical look at gender, marriage, and human sexuality. This morning we're going to be um, looking at the issue of gender identity and the gospel. Gender identity and the gospel. I hope we'll finish up this morning, but we'll see. We may have to, to make this uh, a two-part message. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was sitting on the couch next to one of our four-year-old twins, Zeke, and he looked at me and said, why do you have bracelets on, Daddy? Bracelets are for girls. I said, first of all, they're wristbands, <laughs> not bracelets. Second of all, you're right, bracelets are for girls. Zeke, at his age, has not been taught by me or Sharon that bracelets are for girls, but he knows girls. He has two his sisters. He sees what they wear and what they call what they wear. He goes to school with girls. He could have no idea, no idea how controversial that statement could be in our society right now, how much anger and passion that tiny, innocent statement could stir up. Let me tell you what I want to do this morning. So, one, you know that we're not going to be here for hours, which I know you know anyway because you just leave. Uh, but so that you know, I know where we're going. Uh, what I want to do is lay out for us with a lot of clarity where we are at this moment in our culture with regard to gender identity. Think of it large scale. What is the ideology and what are the forces at play in our nation that absolutely influence our lives, our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives, the social structure of our nation? And then I want us to dive into what it is that we as followers of Jesus, we as Christians, are to believe about this issue and why and then how we are to respond and we will uh, leave with biblical hope, with biblical hope and gospel-centered responses this morning. Um, to sort of set the cultural scene in general, Alan West, who some of you will know is a retired military, military officer, decorated uh, combat veteran and former uh, congressman in the House of Representatives, was asked to speak at a Q&A, a forum, on a university campus some months back. And one young university woman got up. Uh, you know, they would have different people holding the microphone and you could make your way and wait in line and get to ask um, Alan West a question. And when she got to the microphone, she started this way. She said, I would like to ask you, first of all, if you identify as black. You should laugh at that. That's okay. He laughed at it. He paused for a minute and then laughed and then was sort of scolded by this young 20-something and reminded that this was a serious question. She, she means it. She needs an answer. He may not identify. And he just smiled and said, yes, young lady, I'm black. He didn't say I identify as black. He said, I am black. He was stating a cultural and generational difference between what she was saying, which is, what do you think you are? with what he was saying, here's what I am. It's not a question of what I think about it. And then he reminded her that he also had black parents born and raised in the South. Now, I share this with you as absurd as it is because it is a great illustration of the cultural waters in which we all find ourselves right now. And if we're not careful because spirit-filled people of God who care about God and care about others and care about the world and care about our society don't want to be called bigots or hateful or dangerous or mean or cruel. If we're not careful, we surrender truth, which is always healing, 
Truth always makes us whole. It doesn't fragment us. We surrender it either for the very shallow reason of trying to be included in the bourgeoisie today, the cool kids, or out of a fear that maybe in some way they may be right and we may have gotten it wrong. Now, let me describe to you some of the moments that got us to a place where Zeke could have a discussion with me about what is for boys and what is for girls. And 10 years ago, that's the only gender option that 95% of Americans would have ever heard of and throughout the rest of human existence to today where on healthline.com they name at least 68 genders to describe human beings. In May of 2016, then President Barack Obama instructed public schools that they must allow, they must allow transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms that align with a child's chosen gender identity, bathrooms and locker rooms. Many of you remember that. The guidance was issued as an interpretation of Title IX, which prohibits sex discrimination in education. Between the years 2016 and 2017, in our nation alone, the number of gender surgeries performed on females grew by 289%. 289%, resulting in biological females accounting for 70% of all gender surgeries. These are women, often young, young women, struggling with their gender identity, feeling maybe more male, and now finding advocates, so-called affirming therapies based on the shoddiest of studies that came out of the Netherlands in 2014 saying that we must give them this affirming therapy and medical treatment or suicide will be the result. And now we see these young women, many of them later, deeply wounded and in despair because for the vast majority, this didn't fix anything except sterilize them and rob them. of their female organs and ability to one day have children. Today, there is near exponential growth of adolescent girls identifying as boys. We've never seen anything like this. Many of them having uh, never stated any kind of gender dysphoria, confusion about their gender before, all of a sudden, immediately identifying as boys or using terms like non-binary, gender non-conforming, or gender queer. The proportion of trans boys has not increased. Speaking uh, with a couple of our young ladies at church yesterday, one of them said, yes, it is definitely the glamorous thing to do now in school and in our circles to identify as trans or gender non-binary, gender queer, gets you all kinds of affirmation on social media and people clapping and cheering for you. Good for you. Way to live your truth. Way to be you. 2007, Boston Children's Hospital, as they proudly proclaim on their own website, became the first major hospital to focus on transgender children and adolescents. Today, there are more than 60 pediatric gender clinics, pediatric gender clinics that have opened their doors in the United States. However, the total number of clinics and medical offices that are willing to provide hormonal interventions to minors is likely much higher and is currently estimated at over 300, according to the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine, meaning that all that really has to happen is for a 10 or 11 or a 12-year-old to go in and to say, this is how they feel. Maybe have a little note from a therapist that says, that's right. And there's a kind of a four-step process in this from sort of socially transitioning as young as four, five, and six, where kids are encouraged to dress as the opposite gender based on what they feel, to beginning in adolescence to receive hormone treatments and cross-sexual treatments, all the way up to full anatomical or sexual gender surgery. 
children. The message to parents is the only way you can prevent your child most likely from committing suicide is by giving their puberty-blocking drugs, by giving them puberty-blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones. Never mind that consistent studies now show the vast majority of children and adolescents experiencing gender dysphoria. Don't miss this. The vast majority of studies show that children and adolescents experiencing gender dysphoria will grow out of it if allowed to continue the natural developmental process. Doesn't mean they all will, but study after study after study is showing the vast majority of them do indeed grow out of it without some kind of intervening authorities in their life affirming what they're thinking or feeling at that, movie, at that moment and then starting them down the road of social and physical transitioning. New York City now, as a city government, officially recognizes and requires recognition of 31 genders. I want to tick these off to you quick. I don't expect you to remember them, but I want to give you a picture of what's coming to a city near you. Bigendered, cross-dresser, drag queen, drag king, Fem queen, female to male, FTM, gender bender, gender queer, male to female, MTF, non-op, hijra, pangender, transsexual, transsexual, trans person, woman, man, butch, two-spirit, trans, agender, third sex, gender fluid, non-binary, transgender, andro, uh, androgen, androgen, gender gifted, gender blender, fem person of transgender experience, androgynous. It's okay to giggle at this. It's not okay to giggle at a person who's struggling with an issue of gender confusion, but it's okay to giggle at this. And I need to say to two groups this morning, so you hear me, I need to say to our older members, middle-aged and older, who can't figure out where on earth sort of reality and science fiction traded places, and you know you've lived long enough to know the difference in reality and science fiction, yet you're being told that you're antiquated or judgmental or bigoted or phobic, put the word you want before that, transphobic, homophobic, whatever phobic. I wanna tell you, this is absurd. Right-minded people know this is absurd. It is unsustainable. It is already beginning to collapse in Western Europe because they're always a decade or 15 years ahead of us. And so they're beginning to see now that they're actually going to have to undo laws and put up new legal structures to protect children who were physically cut and altered and now as adults have legal voices understanding that that didn't solve any problems. It gave them greater lifelong problems and should never have happened. So I want you to hear me say it. You're not crazy, old-timey, whatever-a-phobic. And I want to speak to our younger people in here who've been told, if you don't agree and affirm, agree with and affirm whatever your friends say they think or feel about themselves, you are a hater and you're contributing to their suicide and their depression. That's foolishness. I'll explain more about that in a minute. The Biden White House in 2022 replaced the word mothers with birthing people in the fiscal year budget section on public health funding. Birthing people. People with uteruses. And on and on this foolishness goes. All of this has led to two alarming trends. Two alarming trends. The first is this, the unapologetic, unapologetic targeting of our children with the LGBT plus ideology. The unapologetic targeting of our children with the LGBT plus ideology. Now, you have to hear me say this. I'm going to have to say it over and over and over the man or woman in your workplace or on your street or in your family who experiences same-sex attraction, who experiences 
gender dysphoria, gender confusion, and knows the pain of this, that person is not the person behind the lobbying and the LGBT plus ideology and agenda. And they no more want to be lumped in with the national proponents and advocates of that and activists than you want to be lumped in with the hateful, godless people who profess Christ's name and show, show up to parades and places and throw food at people and claim that they were created by Satan and not God. Fair? So let's keep the agenda and the activists separate from individual friends, family members, coworkers, and neighbors who experience the painful realities that we're talking about this morning. Second, second alarming trend is the increased systematic enforcement of language and practices preferred by LGBT plus activists. There's actually uh, a new legal code that's come out that I'll say more about, or maybe I'll say more about on the podcast um, this week. Whole new sets of laws that are to be arguing for um, and they're being passed so that this systematic enforcement of language and practices can be in place. Now, I sometimes hear people say, oh, that stuff's just crazy. Those two things you just said are nuts. They're just, it's just far-right, conservative, uh, sort of culture war fantasy stuff. Let me illustrate by a few things from the news this week. All of these I pulled from news headlines and articles this week. Main school system is under fire for giving a 13-year-old girl a chest binder to flatten her breast, encouraging her to transition without ever getting her parents' consent or contacting them. When her mom found that and found some literature in her room and asked her where that came from, she at first lied about it as teens are uh, prone to do when they know they're about to be in trouble, and then finally confessed it had come from her school counselor, and they began that discussion. A Maryland school teacher said intentionally concealing students' gender changes, quote, especially from parents, was part of an explicit district policy and provided, quote, good laughs with friends and colleagues. I'm not giving this teacher's name, but his name, his, her name is on the article, and they're all over social media with it and have no problems putting it out there so you can find it if you want. Middle school teacher, this particular middle school teacher, middle school Middle school. This middle school teacher uses Z, Zer, they, them, and he, him as his pronouns. When meeting new students, he says, I always introduce myself and explain my gender identity, name, title, and my pronouns. Can you imagine having to sit through seven or eight classes of that foolishness at a middle school? You don't pay attention to most of what your teachers say in middle school anyway. But to be given a personal lecture I'll go on. This particular teacher says, I identify as non-binary, prefer terms like gender fluid or gender queer, and require students to use the title MX, which I, haven't, I don't know what that means yet, rather than MR or MS, Mr. or Miss. Minnesota, Minnesota teacher gives students a survey each beginning year asking their preferred pronouns and whether or not they want those shared with their parents. Here are the questions, among others, on that survey. What name should I use when speaking to your parents? Do you get what's happening here? How do we create a world here where we're cutting out of your parents? We're keeping your parents in the dark. What pronouns should we use when we talk about you? Choose as many as you want, and there's a bunch listed. Is it okay to use the pronouns you selected above when we talk to your parents? Is it okay to use the pronouns you selected above when we talk to other students or the class? Who? under God's great heavens, put 12-year-olds in charge of the world. And there's nothing wrong with a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old. We've got like 14 in our house. (laughs) But they are given by God to parents and families for a reason, to steward. All of us have been through middle school. How many of you, by show of hands, who are out of middle school would like to go back and go through middle school again? That's the first time I've ever asked a question where no one raised their hand. Part of that is because it is such, such a difficult time with personal identity because your body is changing biologically, your body's changing physically, your body's changing chemically, the way that you think. All of this stuff is going on. 
California mother sues school district after discovering they identified her daughter as male and counseled her on breast binding. Aurora Regino's 11-year-old daughter was receiving counseling at school on transitioning from a female to male, including going by a masculine name and connecting with peers and support groups in town, all without the consent or even the contact of her parents. Four Democratic Connecticut state representatives have introduced a bill, 6192 is that bill number right now in the state house in Connecticut that would block FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests from parents and others legally protecting the public school teachers from having to disclose communications with students on sensitive subjects such as sexual orientation as well as gender identity and race. That same article noted a Los Angeles Unified School District teacher. And sometimes we can kind of shut off. We can go, LA, of course. But let me tell you from having lived not far from Los Angeles, Los Angeles is primarily made up of lower middle class to poor working class people who have no financial options but to send their kids to the public schools in the Los Angeles Unified School District and deserve quality, competent teachers. An LAUSD teacher at Saturn Street Elementary, don't miss that, Saturn Street Elementary School uses a llama unicorn that is gender fluid to practice using pronouns on and a narwhal stuffed animal to practice using they, them pronouns. All right, let me show you what has been developed. Some of you have seen this before. I don't expect you to be able to read it, so you, you can all laugh at once when we put it up, but let's go ahead and throw up the genderbred person. The genderbred person. This was the first attempt. You can tell this is targeting early childhood development children, pre-K through elementary school. This is to teach them um, all that the advocates and activists of this ideology want them to begin to know and understand about identity, attraction, expression, and sex. You can't read the, well, if you can, you're pretty amazing, but you can't read the blue and the yellow and the purple boxes over there. Let me do that for you. With gender identity, there's womanness, which can manifest as woman or man. There's manness, which can manifest as two-spirit or genderqueer. Go down to the orange. That's gender expression, which can manifest as feminine, either as butch or femme, or masculine, either as androgynous or gender neutral. Then there's biological sex, femaleness, which can present as male or female, and maleness, which can present as intersex, male or female, self-ID. And then they get down to explain to a child at four or five or six or seven the difference in who they may be sexually attracted to and who they may be romantically attracted to. So don't don't let people look at you and say, none of this is going on. This is just, this is craziness. This is right-wing nut jobs and Christian fundamentalists and Fox News and whoever else they may list, right? But the people that came up with this, the Trans Student Educational Resources Group, decided that this, this was too misogynistic. Go back to gingerbread man. The gingerbread man looked too much like a man, like a male. So they got rid of the gingerbread man or person, and brought in the gender unicorn, which is now being used, the gender unicorn, to teach this stuff to young children. And if you notice, they move from the phrase biological sex with the gingerbread person to sex assigned at birth with the gender unicorn as a way of communicating, which they will flat out say, there is no such thing as biological sex. This is fantasy, church. This is the twilight zone. This is one or two generations who have yelled the loudest about science being utter deniers of science. It is foolishness, it is godlessness, it is sin, and it is intentionally on the march for our kids. And largely, they're buying it. They're buying it in big spoonfuls and shovelfuls. Missouri Attorney General launches investigation into pediatric transgender center at the St. Louis Children's Hospital. One caseworker, a whistleblower, 
in a sworn affidavit, testified that she regularly witnesses coworkers lying to the public and to parents of patients about the treatment, lack of treatment, and effects of treatment given to minors. She has personally seen puberty blockers worsen mental health in children, citing children who have never contemplated suicide before, being given puberty blocking treatment, and then actually attempting suicide after. Doctors at the center lie to the public regularly about not performing gender transition surgeries on minors. It's in a sworn affidavit. That's just, that's one week. These are news articles from this past week. Now, let me give you just a a couple examples of uh, the job thing and the requiring of certain language. 2018, West Point High School in Virginia, Peter Vlaming, fired for refusing to use preferred pronouns. His case is still in the courts right now. Vivian Garrity, last year, terminated from Jackson Memorial Middle School in Ohio by refusing to use the new preferred names or pronouns required by students who consider themselves transitioning. Pamela Ricard, a 17-year teaching veteran, suspended and disciplined from the Gary County School District for addressing two students who considered themselves transgender by their legal names instead of their preferred names and pronouns. She, by the way, just won a $95,000 lawsuit against the school. Physician's assistant at the University of Michigan Hospital was fired and told by the director of diversity, which is a terrible job title, that she was evil and responsible for the suicide of transgender people for failing to acknowledge their preferred pronouns. Let me, let me just, let me say this to you right now. This is the favorite line of attack for the activists and ideologues in this area of gender. What they do, and I want you to hear me, what they do is they use, they use the extreme example of an individual. If you don't affirm her and use her pronouns, you're contributing to her suicide, to his suicide. They use the extreme example of an individual to manipulate you into agreeing with the ideology of their worldview. They use the extreme experience or extreme example of an individual to manipulate you into agreeing with the ideology ideology of their worldview. This is where we are. This is where we are. Here is the cultural view right now in a single sentence with regard to gender. Gender is simply a social construct. Gender is simply a social construct and has no correspondence to anatomical or biological sex. It's just something we create and make up. There's no correlation whatsoever, no correlation whatsoever to anatomical or biological sex. Sally Goldner, an LGBT um, and specifically trans activist, says it is really important in a world that is often very either or to remember there can be both neither and everything that is other than the binary of male and female. Now, let's go back to the very beginning in Scripture. The very beginning in Scripture to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I want us to read verses 26 through 28. And then talk a little bit about what is it that we believe as the church? What is it that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ? Christians. Genesis 1, verses that many of you will know very well, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female, three lines of poetry in Hebrew. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Every creature that crawls on the earth. Greg Allison, a professor of um, 
Scripture and Theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, in a book called Embodied, Living as Whole People in a Fractured World, says this, together and inseparably, they, that is the man and the woman, begin to engage in the cultural mandate involving procreation and vocation for human flourishing. They're able and obligated to carry out the mandate to build society because of and only because of their complementary genderedness. We find when you go on and look at Genesis chapter two that um, one gender was not enough. And you will find when you look at this that creating man and woman, two distinct genders, not 60, not 14, not one, not none, two distinct genders, corresponds with the rest of the creative act of God in Genesis 1 and 2. There's nothing and there's something. There's creator and there's creation. There's heaven and there's earth. There's light and there's darkness. There's day and night, evening and morning. There's waters above. There's waters below. There's dry land and there's waters. There's the sun and the moon. There's work and rest. I could go on. This is in keeping with the character and creative nature of God. So what is it that we believe about gender? What is it that we believe about gender? And then we may have to pause and come back with, what is it that we do about this with regard to the ideology and individuals in our lives next week? First, we believe that gender is given by God and not created by man. Gender is given by God and not created by man. It is a good gift of God for human flourishing and for the flourishing of creation itself. Emil Bruner, an early 20th century theologian, wrote this in Man in Revolt, a Christian Anthropology. We cannot say that humanity is divided into sanguine and choleric temperament, into extroverts and introverts, into white people or people of color, into geniuses and non-geniuses, but humanity certainly is divided into men and women. And this distinction goes down to the very roots of our personal existence. I can't help but interact with the world as a man. Sharon can't help but interact with the world as a woman. It penetrates into the deepest metaphysical or spiritual, we would say today, grounds of our personality and destiny. John Calvin went further and said, man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked upon God's face. It is to God that we go when we are confused about who we are, when we just don't know. And I can tell you, church, there is real, deep, volatile pain and confusion associated with gender dysphoria. And the church ought to be the first place that kids and teenagers and young adults can come and share their story and find men and women who wrap their arms around them and love them and walk with them because we know at the root of all of this is the brokenness that results from original sin. You can't hold Genesis 1 and 2 together theologically without them being coupled to Genesis 3, the fall. Human rebellion and sin enters into the world and fractures us, all of who we are. The theological phrase total depravity does not mean you're as depraved as you could get, but it means that every facet of your being has experienced the effects of the fall and sin. And out of that, all of us have twisted and misplaced desires and pursuits, confused feelings that we have to trust Jesus with. Gender is given by God. It is not created by man. Two, we also believe that gender is determined by biology and theology, not psychology. Gender is determined, the, the way that God presents gender as a good gift to human beings 
It's through biology and theology, not psychology. It's not that psychology doesn't matter. But psychology does not determine who we are. Andrew Bunt, Andrew Bunt, a, a great uh, British scholar and thinker and writer, um, younger generation, he, he would either be a very, 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 very young uh, millennial or kind of on the top of Gen Z, but Bunt has a great book out about this, very simple, and he said when he was about eight or nine, he began to experience gender confusion. And he said, uh, for him, he began to have this irrational fear that he was going to get pregnant, that he somehow was a girl in a, in a guy's body. And he said it scared him to death, and he didn't even know how girls got pregnant. But he was afraid that he was going to get pregnant, and his big secret was going to be out. Can you imagine? We need to be people, Christian moms and dads, who can hear that from our child and love them and put our arms around them and talk to them about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that they are not an accident. They are not a freak. God wasn't looking somewhere else when they were created. And that we're going to walk with them. And our church family is going to walk with us. And we're going to trust Jesus with this as we trust him with everything else. Bunt said as the teen years come on, and, and as often, not always, but often happens with kids who do experience genuinely onset gender dysphoria, he began to develop attraction for peers of the same sex rather than the other sex. And he said, I just, I didn't know what to do with all this. I knew when I looked at guys who love to drink beer and play rugby and watch rugby, that wasn't me. I didn't like any of that. I, I much preferred sitting around and reading and talking with girls who were more emotional and more relational. And as Andrew learned to lean into his faith and, and through good Christian friends and good Christian parents continue to trust Jesus, he said, I really realized the question I had to answer was not who I am, but how do I decide who I am? And he said, there are really three options. Does what I think of me determine who I am? I hope not. Is what I perceive about me the ultimate truth? Or is what others think of me? As I was going through school, I was different. I was weird. I wasn't like the other boys. I not only wasn't picked, I didn't want to be picked. I wanted to go play with the girls. They were nicer sometimes. He said I didn't fully fit with them either because they weren't going to fully open up and share with me because I was a guy. Or is there a third way? What God says about me is actually the truth. And I can trust that and lean into that, even in great despair and confusion. Bunt is a, a great person to listen to on these ideas, that gender is determined by biology and theology, not psychology. Biology and theology, not psychology. I want to remind you of what the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? There's a reason that God also says through Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, that he's going to take out our rotten hearts, our hearts of stone, and give us hearts of spirit when Jesus comes. Why? It's because the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. If you just listen to how you feel, if you take that for granted, you're listening to a deceiver. You're listening to something that is incurable apart from the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Allison again in Embodied says, the theological grounding for handling gender confusion and transgenderism must be the fundamental givenness of God's design for the sex with which he created his image bearers. In other words, created male and female in his image. And that fundamental givenness of God's design anatomically and biologically must be the grounds for handling confusion in gender and transgenderism. Some people will say, well, what about, what about intersex? Aren't some people born asexual or intersex? Yes, in a, a very, 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 very small portion. And it's, it's hard to get really accurate statistics here because everything is so politicized now. Um, 
but they range anywhere from uh, 0.0018 to 1% of babies will be born with an anatomical ambiguity at birth or, or some measure of distinction between their chromosomal reality and their anatomical characteristics presenting at birth. Most of them, not all, most of them though, do not experience uh, life very long before the characteristic of maleness or femaleness settles in even with them. But the extreme, extreme exclusion just proves and supports the reality of a gender binary world created by God. Samuel Johnson famously once said, uh, we don't know the exact moment that day becomes night, but that doesn't mean there's no such thing as day and there's no such thing as night. We don't know exactly where sometimes and how maleness and females enters and ends other than anatomy, but that doesn't mean that there's no such thing. These few, few examples here that we need to treat with tenderness and care and love in the church does not mean that there's no such thing as male or female. Third and final thing this morning that we believe, the next week we'll talk about what we uh, do more with this. Um, We believe gender is expressed across a spectrum of personality traits and characteristics. We believe that gender is expressed across a spectrum of personality traits and characteristics. Now, this is where we largely, coming out of the the wild sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, got it uh, pretty wrong as a church in the United States. Uh, That shook the church to its core, and we started saying, you know what we gotta do? We've gotta clarify. We need to talk about, we need the the manliest men and the womanlessly, womanlessly, the most womanly women um, in the church in the world to show people that this is, this is what it means to be a man and this is what it means to be a woman. And I read several stories of, um, of young people saying that very fundamental um, sort of sophomoric approach is what drove many of us right into the arms of the trans and gay communities. Because there was no room in the church to say the truth is gender is expressed across a spectrum of characteristics and traits. There are no emotions that are uniquely male or uniquely female. There are no traits that are uniquely male or uniquely female. It doesn't mean that we're not called maybe to, to manifest ourselves in different roles in different ways, especially in marriage. But take a guy like David, right? He kills Goliath, cuts his head off, and he plays the harp. And he writes music and poems. He was a diverse dude. Take the apostle Paul. He can write what he did in 1 Corinthians 11, the love chapter. The people used to want to be read in weddings when they had weddings around Christian environments. And he could also have the sharpest tongue in the New Testament toward people that were diluting the gospel or ruining the church. He also traveled at least 10,000 miles by foot. By foot. You realize how whiny we are? Like, ah. The drive-thru's closed at the dry cleaners. I'll just wait till next week. <coughs> I don't want to pull in and walk in. What is this, the 50s? 10,000 miles. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-two through 27, Paul describes beatings and shipwrecks and persecutions and stonings and imprisonments that would make most of us want to run from our faith. And yet he could... Describe co-workers in the gospel as his very heart. He could talk about yearning for them as a mother does her child. Nancy Piercy, in a phenomenal book called Love Thy Body, says Christians must respond by offering (coughs) a positive biblical worldview that affirms the value of the body and the unity of the human being. At the same time, Christians should be the first in line to nurture and support young people who don't, quote, fit in by affirming the diversity of gifts and temperaments in the body of Christ. The church should be the first place where young people can find freedom from unbiblical stereotypes. The freedom to work out what it means to be created in God's image as holistic and redeemed people. This 
is our calling in God at this moment? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of you have memorized. But it's so profound, the wisdom given to us here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord, regardless of the confusion you feel, the pain you're walking in, what others may say. Trust in the Lord, in the Lord with all your heart. Not the media, not the activists, not your friends at school, not lobby groups. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Well, why not? Because our understanding is warped and shaped by sin. It's crooked in ways, and sometimes we don't know which ways. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. God, this doesn't make sense. God, this hurts. God, I don't know if I'll ever get past experiencing this, but I know this is what you've revealed in your word, and I will submit to it and trust you. And he will make your paths straight. He will make your path straight. (coughs) It may take time, but God always comes through. I hope gone are the days in most churches, you still see it out there, where, uh, you know, the average men's ministry event was, uh, you know, a weekend spent flying in helicopters and shooting wild hogs, then skinning them with your bare teeth, barbecuing them, finishing up with a spitting for distance contest, then coming back to the church grunting and dirty. You guys know I'm not far off. It's been ridiculous. The whole concept of men's and women's ministry has been ridiculous for decades and produced very little of me. The entire promise keepers movement produced nothing. No discernible differences in divorce rates. No discernible differences in the home lives or parenting. The Bible is a lot more about who we are as the people of Christ than who I am specifically as a man. It's not like I get certain guidelines and I got to do that and Sharon gets another's. No, we all get the Sermon on the Mount. We all get the fruit of the Spirit. We all get the Ten Commandments. We all get Genesis 1 through Revelation 21 and 22. And hopefully gone are the days of women's ministry where we, we promote a great event where we're going to come in and knit potholders and drink tea and decorate cupcakes and hear a speaker who's well prepared to talk to us about loving Jesus and keeping home or keeping the house or however it used to go. Enforcing these stereotypes that we ultimately don't find in scripture. That doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything to be a man or to be a woman. We've been talking most of this morning about it does mean something. God has created us, but that is expressed across a spectrum of personalities and traits and characteristics. Some of you women, man, you're go-getters by nature. You're loud, you're quick with your tongue, you're good leaders. You don't want to sit at home and crochet. And some of you do want to sit at home and crochet. And you don't want to pay any bills. That's the point. It's not that one of you is a woman and the other's not. You're, you're both women expressing your womanness through the power of the Spirit and the gifts and personalities that God has given you. I gotta stop for this morning. Next week when we come back, we're going to look at what we do with this. How do we take what we believe and when called to, and we'll talk about what that looks like, interact with the broader ideology and community around us and certainly how is it that we interact with people in our individual lives with compassion and conviction. And I'll just say now, as the band makes their way up here and prepares to... Um, lead us in response. Can I just say empathy and compassion are always, always the right response to people. Empathy and compassion are always the right response to people rooted in love, understanding holistically that we're all human beings made in the image of God, male and female, broken and suffering the effects of sin. Let's stand this morning. Just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And as I do, our offering ushers are going to make their way to their positions. And after I pray, they'll pass the buckets and you can drop in your connection cards, giving envelopes. 
I'm so grateful that you give. I'm so grateful that you give. Your giving allows us to, to scope out and purchase and provide resources on this very topic that people so desperately need. So thank you. May God bless you. After prayer, the band will lead us in response by worship and communion. Be back here next week. This is not the end of this message. We had to pause, but you desperately need to hear how it is that we as Christians respond. What is it that we do in our lives day in and day out in a culture so confused and so much pain and so divided? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we together with one voice say, Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you when things are easy and we can get complacent and self-reliant. Jesus, we trust you when things are hard and we're hurting and we're broken and everything in our mind and heart tells us that we are not what our bodies and your word says we are. God, may we be people of hope. May may we be people both of compassion and conviction, of love and truth, of empathy and clarity. God, thank you for guiding us as your church through this time, giving us voices and people words and texts, chiefly the scripture, Lord, that is not a tool of oppression, but a gift of freedom and wholeness used by the Spirit. Stir our hearts this morning, Lord. Take all that's given, multiply it, and use it for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lnbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today. 